Alrighty, let's go ahead and talk about it. Let's talk about it, talk about it. So, uh, what did we, uh, what did we talk about? G give me some like one word or few word definitions. Like, how do people typically define wisdom? What did you guys talk about? Experience. Experience, okay, good. What else? Come on, you were all just talking. It's okay. Talk to me now. What do we got? Okay, age, having a degree is a way that people, oh, they must be wise. They've got some letters after their name. Uh, what else? What else? Come on. Podcast, right? I mean, they listen, you know there's a podcast on that. Uh, okay, what else? What else? Okay, people, yeah, you know, let's go to the second question. Where do people typically find wisdom today? So where is it that people find wisdom? Find your wisdom in your books. Find your wisdom in your... Social media, find your wisdom. Where else? Talking with friends. That's right. You can just talk to somebody, they'll give you some wisdom. Where else? TED Talks. TED Talks. It's got to be smart because they sound smart and they only talk for 12 minutes. Right? There's a lot of places today where there are people who are claiming to have wisdom. And what's interesting in our current day and age with the technology we have is there is no shortage of people constantly bombarding us with uh, their opinions. Their opinions on politics, their opinions on finances, their opinions on parenting, their opinions on what kind of food can you eat? Can you eat this food? Can you not eat this food? Why aren't we getting rid of this food? Why isn't everyone eating this food? There's all sorts of advice on relationships, use of time, fitness, religion, and there's, there's all sorts of information and all sorts of wisdom being sent your way at all times. And so the question we have to ask is like, how do we know what's true? Like, how do we know what wisdom is actually good wisdom for us? What wisdom is actually good wisdom for you? I had you turn to Job 28, and like I said, we're getting to Proverbs, but Job 28 begins with this, it begins this interesting chapter that leads us to this question about wisdom. So if you look at Job 28, here's what Job starts talking about. Job says, 28 verse 1, Surely there is a mine for silver and a place for gold that they refine. What Job is going to say is, hey, any precious metal and gem, guess what? Man has figured out how to get it. He says, iron is taken out of the earth. Copper is smelted from the ore. Man puts an end to darkness and searches out the farthest limit, the ore and gloom and deep darkness. He's talking about men digging deep tunnels, caves. It says, verse 4, He opens shafts in a valley away from where anyone lives. They are forgotten by travelers. They hang in the air far away from mankind. They swing to and fro. As from the earth, out of it comes bread, but underneath it is turned up as by fire. Its stones are the places of sapphires. It has dust of gold. Take a look at verse 9. Man puts his hand to the flinty rock and overturns mountains by the roots. He cuts out channels in the rocks. His eyes see every precious thing. He dams up the streams so they do not trickle. The thing that is hidden He brings out to light. Hey, guess what? If we want gold, we have a way to figure out gold. Uh, we've found a way to harvest the earth. I mean, you find underground tunnel systems from the catacombs in Paris to the subway network in New York City. We have ways of getting so many precious materials and metals. That's what Job is talking about. We have figured a lot of stuff out. But then he says, verse 10, 12, but where shall wisdom be found? Where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its worth. 
It's not found in the land of the living. The deep, the ocean says, it's not in me. And the sea says, it's not with me. It cannot be bought for gold and silver. It cannot be weighed, it cannot be weighed as its price. It cannot be valued in the gold of Ophir and precious onyx or sapphire. He, he's basically saying we, we can't measure it. We can't pay for it. Where can wisdom be found? Verse 20, from where then does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all living, concealed from the birds of the air. Abaddon and death say, we've heard a rumor of it with our ears. So where can you find wisdom? You ready? Verse 23, God understands the way to it. And He knows its place. The reality that Job is pressing into is, you want to you know how life really works? Do you, you want to figure out what's wise and what's unwise? Uh, you know, we could figure out so many things, but do you want to know how you should live your life? You know where that information is going to come from? You're going to have to receive it. You're not going to be able to find it, Google it, search it out. It's something that has to be given to you from above. Because there is no wisdom we can claim for certain without humbly receiving it from God. If you want to live a life that's wise, you have to know, man, I need wisdom from, from God. Which is why I'm so thankful that there's an entire book in the Bible filled with wisdom. And so now let's take our Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. Because if you're one of those people like, man, I would just like to know something that's certain and true. Proverbs gives us an entire book of wisdom. It's this strange little book that doesn't fit with the rest of the categories of Scripture. We have some poetry, we have narratives, we have apocalyptic language, but then there's, there's Proverbs, this collection of speeches and sayings that give us instruction on how to think about life. And what I want us to do over the next... Five months, February, is that February, March, April, May, June, there we go, next five months, all the way till June before we hit summer, is I want us to think about in our next 10 meetings together, this book. We won't be able to cover all 31 chapters, but we're going to be able to cover plenty in these 10 meetings. We're going to be able to see there's so much we can get out of this book. And tonight what I want to do is I just want to introduce you to it. I want to sort of whet your appetite and see like what does this book have to offer? What does this book say about itself? We'll see that in Proverbs chapter 1 tonight. So let's look at it. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1 through 7 is the introduction. It says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let's pray and we'll think about this passage together. Father, we are thankful tonight that we could look at this uh, text. We're thankful that, God, that You are the God of all wisdom. We're thankful that all the treasures of wisdom are hidden in Christ Jesus. And by knowing Him, we can know You and we can know truth. 
Lord, we want to be those who are wise. We want to live well in this life. So God, I pray that by Your Word and by Your Spirit, You'd help us to do that. Help us to know how to live well in light of the book of Proverbs. Pray these things in Your Son's name. Amen. Amen. Well, tonight we're going to look at this again. This, this book introduces us, or this section introduces us to the book of Proverbs. And a good fair question to ask would be, do you consider yourself a wise person? Or even for yourself, would you even say that wisdom is something that is important? Wisdom is something that is valuable to you. Proverbs 16.16, 16, I'll just read it. Proverbs 16.16 16 says, How much better is it to get wisdom than gold? And understanding is to be chosen above silver. All right? It's better to get wisdom than to get a pay raise, is what Solomon would be saying. You'd be better to have more wisdom than more cash in the bank. Because wisdom is something we need for life. It'll say something similar when we get to Proverbs chapter 8. And what's good is God gives wisdom. So in James 1.5, which is a verse that's familiar to many of us, you can write that down, James 1.5. James says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. See, God gives wisdom. What's interesting is James says, if you don't have it, pray for it. I wonder, when was the last time you prayed for wisdom? Like, I know we pray a lot for like, man, I hope this like relationship gets mended, or I hope things go well at my job, or I hope the circumstance works out. But do you find yourself praying for wisdom? Because James in James 1, when he's talking about trials in your life, the first thing he says you ought to pray for is wisdom. So is it something that we are valuing? Because the reality is, we need wisdom. I'm sure if you look back over your last year, and think about difficulties that came up in your life, conflicts that arose, odd situations that you found yourself in, whether strained friendships or strained romantic interests or whatever, like, I bet you found yourself going like, man, I, I could have used some wisdom there. I could have said stuff differently or acted differently, and, and maybe that issue wouldn't have gone the way that it went. What's good is this book offers for us wisdom. It talks about all sorts of topics. Talks about work, talks about relationships, talks about the mouth, talks about money, talks about how you should think of yourself, how you should think of others. That's why I'm so excited to get into it because we're going to see it's incredibly practical. And so tonight, what I want to do is I want to study these first seven verses because these first seven verses are sort of like an introduction. They're telling us everything we need to know about the book before we've read it. It's almost like a trailer. It's like an information booth at the front of the theme park. Verses 1-7 through seven tells us everything we're going to see as we read the rest of this book together. And I want to divide it into three sections tonight. You should have points on your handout. Three sections, we'll go through it. Uh, let's look at number one. Number one is I want you to see wisdom's leading expert. Wisdom's leading expert. And we get the title of our book in chapter 1, verse 1. It says, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. These are, as it says, Proverbs. They're short sayings, uh, sometimes longer speeches, sometimes just little statements from a man named Solomon who lived almost 3,000 years ago. He was the third king of Israel. There was King Saul, who was bad. Then there was King David. And then as it says, David's son, Solomon, becomes the king. And the way the book is laid out, and we'll, we'll study it sort of in this fashion, chapters 1 through 9 are sort of longer sections. So chapters 1 through 9, he's going to talk about your need to go get wisdom. He's going to talk about uh, 
the dangerous kind of people you should stay away from, which is wicked friends, uh, sexually immoral people that try to tempt you. He's going to talk about the way you view wisdom. And then in chapters 10 through 31, it's a collection of sayings. It's just little one-off or little clusters of Proverbs that go together on a certain theme. Uh, chapters 22 to like 24, uh, Solomon grabs some sayings called the sayings of the wise. So those aren't his. He gets those from someone else. And then we have some, like, uh, some guest appearances at, chapter, at the end of the book. But we'll talk about when we get there. But that's what we're seeing here. Solomon is claiming, hey, I've got some wisdom for you. There's good stuff in this book. Some of these you know. I mean, listen to this. Listen to this. Proverbs 16.8. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. Right? Little pithy saying can fit right in your pocket, right? You take that with you everywhere, but it's, it's helpful, it's destructive. It's even got some insight on some things you never thought would be in the Bible, like Proverbs 27, 14. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, will be counted as cursing. Come on, that's funny. You're allowed to laugh at that, right? The person who at 6 a.m. is like, hey, good morning. You're like, oh my goodness, right? Hey, the Proverbs actually talk about that. That's, that's real life here. This is good advice, but here's the question we have to ask. How do we know any of this is true? You know, hey, I got Solomon talking to me here, and I got the talking heads on TV, and I've got my podcast I listen to. How do I know I could trust Solomon any more than I could trust those people? That's a good question. Let's take our Bible, let's hold it here, and go to 1 Kings chapter 3. Because what I want us to see is that Solomon is assuming you know his background. He is assuming you understand that he is in a position that he could talk to you about wise living. 1 Kings chapter 3, we're at the very beginning of Solomon's reign. He has just been made king. And he gets a pretty amazing offer in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5. 1 Kings 3, verse 5, it says, At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask what I shall give you. I mean, that's a pretty amazing statement. God shows him and says, hey, what do you want? Blank check. Like, man, I don't know what I'd say. Super Bowl, so I guess I'd, I'd hope for like a winning season for the Raiders. I don't know. Like, that would take an act of the Lord. Uh, but but what, what's he say here? Well, Solomon, he, he can ask for so many things. What's he say? He tells us verse 6. He says, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son, talking about himself, to sit on the throne this day. And now, Yahweh, my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father, although I'm but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And I, your servant, I'm in the midst of your people whom you have chosen a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. He's, he's saying, God, this is so good that you've made me king, but I, I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm supposed to be king over this great nation. So here's what he asked for, verse 9. He says, Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this great people? Solomon asks for wisdom. He asks for understanding. He asks not for knowledge, not for facts. He asks, Lord, help me to figure out the right thing to do. Helping to navigate kingship so I understand how to live in a way that's righteous, that pleases you, and that serves these people. Well, what does God say? God loves this answer. It pleased the Lord that Solomon asked this, verse 11. God said to him, Because you have asked for this, and not asked for yourself long life, or riches, or the life of your enemies, but have asked yourself 
uh, for yourself understanding to discern what's right. Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind. Notice that there, wise and discerning. We'll talk about that in a second. A wise and discerning mind. He says, so that none, sorry, so that none like you has been before, and none like you shall rise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. He says, I'm going to give you the things you didn't ask for, riches and honor, but I will make you wise. God gives them wisdom. He gives them discretion. He gives them understanding. Why is that important? Well, now let's go back to Proverbs chapter 1. Because what did I say? Notice the word a wise and discerning mind. If we go to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 2, when it says to know wisdom, that's the same word there for wise in the Hebrew. And to understand words of insight, a better word for that would be like to understand words of understanding. It's the same word twice, and it's the same word that's back in 1 Kings 3. What Solomon is saying is, hey, the, the wisdom and understanding that I was given from God, I'm now passing on to you. And so what that means is we can trust it. We could bank on it. This isn't just some guy making this up. This is wisdom that came from above. This is divine wisdom from God to the king of God's people to disperse to his son first, but then to all peoples. This was meant to be read so the people of God can know there is real wisdom here we can trust and lean on. See, you, you need this kind of wisdom. Let me, let me show you why. Take your Bible, to, go to Proverbs 16. I'll show you why we need this kind of wisdom. Because if not, we're going to end up with wisdom that we, we can't really believe. And you know what ends up where most of our wisdom comes from? Our own imaginations. So listen to Proverbs 16, verse 2. And just think about the first half of this verse, even before we read the second half. 16:2. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes. Isn't that so true? Like how often our first idea, we think, well, that's obviously the right idea. Because I thought of it and it makes sense to me. That's not a wise way to live. In fact, look at verse 23. Or sorry, verse 25. It says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. See, we're not smart enough on our own to figure out life. Uh, we can't read enough books or, or learn enough life hacks to go like, I can figure this whole life thing out. No, we need wisdom. So what's 16.2 uh, uh, again say? All the ways of man are pure in his own eyes, but Yahweh weighs the Spirit. He understands truth. Solomon has God's wisdom. Solomon has God's truth. And so we can bank on this. We can lean on it. This is good wisdom for how life actually works. Okay, we're going to move to point number two. Questions. Does anyone have any questions what we're saying so far about this? One's good? Okay. Any questions? I'll stop again later. We'll see what you got. Okay, let's keep it moving then. Let's go to point number two. So point number one, uh, we, we see the expert in, in wisdom. Let's go to point number two. Let's see wisdom's sales pitch is what I'm calling this. Wisdom's sales pitch. So verse one, we learn about the author. Two through six is telling us what should we expect from the book. And as we study this, what should we find? And how I want you to, to visualize verses 1 through 7 is this. Imagine like a storefront in a shopping center. Right? Storefront, it's got like a sign, a marquee for us to see what the store is. And it's got windows with advertisements in it. Okay, And then there's like a door you go through. It's how you shop at a store. Anyway, the, the, the sign would say Proverbs of Solomon. It tells us what the store is. That's verse 1. What verses 2 through 6 are is these are sort of like the window displays. 
These are the signs in the window saying, hey, if you come in here, this is what you can expect to find. This is what you could buy. This is what we're offering you if you come in here to find some wisdom at Proverbs. We're going to give you this. And there's four things that I want you to notice. We'll, we'll condense these down. But I want you to see is that the Proverbs offer things for you. In these verses, you see how you can grow from the book of Proverbs. These are things that why you should keep coming back on Friday nights to learn from this. You can expect these things to, fi- to find these as we study this book. Four of them, four offers right for you. Here we go. Here's number one. Here's offer number one. Ready? Offer number one from the book of Proverbs to you is this. Skillful living. Skillful living. Proverbs is going to teach you, in worldly terms, how to win at life. It's going to teach you how to do life right. It's going to help you not make bad decisions. If you keep finding yourself in like, How am I in a bad relationship again? How are my finances in a really bad spot again? How come every job I go, I'm like Pigpen from Charlie Brown, like everywhere I go, but instead of dust, there's just drama in like every friendship and every workplace environment. How does this keep happening? You know what? It might be that you just need like some wisdom from God how to live the life that He gave you. That's what's going to happen here. We're seeing this in verse 2. It says, verse 2, to know wisdom and instruction and to understand words of insight. To know wisdom. Now for many people, wisdom has to do with intelligence. Book smarts. All that Shakespeare you learn because you know what a a sonnet is and you know all your state capitals and you have an awesome GPA. Some of you don't even remember your GPA anymore. And that's, that's fine. Right? But you know, you know stuff. You know school stuff. You know who the presidents were. You know what the powerhouse of the cell is. Um, it's the mitochondria. And it's like the only biology fact I ever learned. But, but wisdom is more than that. Wisdom is more than raw data. Like, hey, we can get information. Like, you can, you can hop on your phone and search anything. Right? You could Google it up. You could be like, average size of a narwhal. I know that. 17 feet. 21,000 pounds. Boom. Google machine helped me figure that out. But that doesn't mean you're going to make good decisions about like your marriage and how to use your time and how to think about working hard. Uh, many of you know many smart people that are just really bad at life. That's what Proverbs is talking about. It's offering you wisdom. It says to know wisdom. The, the Hebrew idea of knowledge uh, some of you are familiar with this, isn't just factually knowing, it's being acquainted with. It's being familiar with. You, you get it. So if I were to go on this piano right now, I'm going to turn my mic off or it'll scream at me. Like I, can, I, I know stuff. I could play like, uh, like a... Do we have it, Bobby? Do we got it? Like Here we go. Ready? <laughs> so you know what I mean? Like, so, so yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so... I know factually how to do that, but like when Becky plays piano, it's like, okay, she knows how to play piano. Does that make sense? She's acquainted with, she gets it. It's, she's remember the, I'm just like tapping away. That's also how I type. Uh, but anyway, um, that, that's the thing. It's like, no, we want to be familiar with wisdom. So what is this word wisdom? How should we think about it? Well, one of the ways that the, the Hebrew, tra- or the, the English authors translate this is with the word skill. You should think skill or experience. So we, we don't have time to look up all the verses. I'll give you a few. You can look these up later. So in Exodus 35, 
when it talks about the guys that are like building the tabernacle, Aholiab and Bezalel, it, it says that they have the skill to build the tabernacle. That word skill is just the word wisdom. It's experience. It's an intimate knowledge. They know what they're doing. Throw them with some tools and stuff and they get it. They get how it works. It's the same words used in Jeremiah 10, which talks about goldsmiths. And in Psalm 107, it's talking about experienced sailors. That's the idea behind it. It's experience. And some of you know about experience. Some of you know like how you've, like, you've applied for a job before and they're like, we'd like you to get some experience. And you're like, well, I would also like experience. But if you don't hire me, it'll be very hard to get that experience, right? Some of you are aware of this. The reason why they want experience is they don't want to have someone who's unfamiliar with what's going on. They want someone to get it. Not just what to do, but why we do it, how we do it, etc. That's what wisdom is. It's skillfully living in this life. It's competency. It's, it's doing life right. It's navigating life well and making the right decisions. It's the same word there as instruction. Uh, this book's going to instruct you. That the idea behind it is discipline or correction. It's going to correct your thinking so that you do life well. And so what we then, as we think about uh, this idea of wisdom as we're going through it. Even that second part there, let's look at verse 2 again. To understand words of insight. To understand words of understanding. This book is helping you navigate life. That's the idea behind it. And so with wisdom, there's like a, a holy shrewdness. You get it. You understand what's going on. And so you're, 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 you're going through life making your decisions well. You're not flustered. You're not confused. Uh, you're not ignorant of anything. Uh, with this wisdom, it is sort of a street-level thing. So this isn't like how to answer your theology. This is how, how do I honor the Lord at the grocery store? Uh, how do I honor God like in my free time? How, how do I honor Him in the workplace? How do I honor the Lord in all these things? That's what wisdom is going to give us. Moment by moment's decisions that reflect the Gospel. That's wisdom. What are the wise trying to do? Let me, let me give you a definition of what Proverbs is going to help you do. It's going to help you skillfully navigate this world in a way where you honor God and live as a blessing to others. Let me say that again. I think that's what real wisdom is going to look like. It's not just let me be wise so I can cash out in this life. I skillfully navigate this life. I make my decisions in a way that helps me honor the Lord and to be a blessing to others. That's what wisdom is going to help you do. And God gives this wisdom in the book of Proverbs in Proverbs, in short little sayings. And I know you're familiar with many of them. Proverbs 3.6 In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. We'll talk about that in a few weeks. That's Proverbs 3.6. Or another familiar one, Proverbs 16.9 The mind of a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. These short little sayings that give us so much to think about, even though they're, they're, they're pocket-sized. They're, they're small. Or another one, I like this one. Matt Shue and I were talking about this one earlier. It's one of our favorites. Proverbs 18.6 A fool's lips bring strife, and his mouth calls for blows. What a great verse right there. Come on, right? If you talk foolish, you're going to get socked out. That's what Proverbs is saying there. They're these catchy little sayings. They're these spiritual maxims. These little pictures that show us how life works. And they're purposely short. They're like six or seven Hebrew words at a time. And that's to be punchy. That's to help you memorize them. Because like, I mean, even think about our Proverbs that we, we use in American culture, right? Like, I could say to you something like, hey, before you make any decision, you should consider all of the options, weighs the pros and cons, and make the best decision for you. Like, I could say that. Or I could say stuff like, hey, look before you leap. 
And you're like, all right, that's helpful. I get it. Now, that's not comprehensive. I'm not telling you what to look for. I'm not telling you, like, if you shouldn't leap. And that's, not, and that's how the Proverbs are as well. They're these short little sayings. They don't, they don't discuss every single variable for every single situation. But these are general principles from God who made the world, how the world He made works. That's what they're describing for us. And they're meant to be punchy. They're meant to be interesting. They're meant to help us think about life. In fact, let me just show you one other one and we'll go to point two. Go to, go to Proverbs 26 real quick. Just to show you again that these aren't all like blanket statements that you should uh, say, well, this is true 100% of the time. Again, uh, these are generalities and you can, you can kind of discern as you're going through these which ones are meant to always be true and which ones are situational. And I'll give you that here in Proverbs 26, 4 and 5. 26, 4 says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you become like him yourself. Hey, don't, don't talk to a fool in his foolishness or you'll end up a fool, right? You need to be careful of that. But then look at the next verse. 25, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Hey, sometimes you talk to the fool and point out how foolish he is by talking foolish back to him. Right? Well, when do I do 4 and when do I do verse 5? You're going to need wisdom, right? But these are general principles for how life works. What does this give us though? It gives us skillful living. Let's go to point number two, offer number 2 here. What's the second offer of the book of Proverbs? What's it given us? It's offering to you practical righteousness. Practical righteousness. And that's why people love Proverbs. Pro- they love the book of Proverbs because it's so practical. I've been reading through this with Jude. We just kind of read like a chapter at a time here and there. And like there's never been a chapter that we've read where like, man, there was nothing to offer there. There's always so much good stuff. And that's what he says in verse 3, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. It's meant to help the king rule well. In fact, that's what ends up happening with Solomon. We don't have time to read it tonight, but in 1 Kings chapter 3, you could read it later, right after the section we read before, Solomon has this situation where two prostitutes come up to him and they're like, the one says, hey, uh, my baby died uh, and uh, that lady stole my baby. Uh, no, sorry, why don't we read it? Let's go 1 Kings chapter 3. <laughs> I totally messed it up and I'm like, 1 Kings 3. It's too long of a story to summarize, so let's go to it. 1 Kings chapter 3. That was great. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Then two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. And the one woman said, O Lord, O my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house. I gave birth to a child while she was in the house. Then on the third day I gave birth, this woman also gave birth. And we were alone. There was no one else in the house. Only we two were in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. But she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me while your servant slept, laid him at her breast, and laid her dead son at my breast. When I arose in the morning to nurse my child, behold, he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning, behold, he was not the child I had born. But the woman said, No, the living child is mine, and the dead child is yours. And the first one said, No, the dead child is yours, and the living child is mine. Thus they spoke before the king. Yeah, a real chick, a tricky situation here. So what does Solomon do? He says, the one says, this, uh, sorry, the one says, this is my son is alive, your son is dead. The other says, no, but your son is dead, my son is a living one. The king said, bring me a sword. So sword was brought before the king. The king said, divide the living child in two and give half to the one and half to the other. Yikes. So then it says, then the woman whose son was, al- 
was alive, said to the king, because her heart yearned for her son, Oh my Lord, give her the living child, and by no means put him to death. But the other said, He shall neither be mine nor yours. Divide him. And the king answered, said, Give the living child to the first woman, by no means put him to death. She is the mother. And here's what it says, And all Israel heard of the judgment that the king had rendered, and they stood in awe of the king, because they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. Do you notice what their takeaway is? It's not just like, wow, Solomon is wise. It's, well, he's wise and therefore he knows how to bring about justice. He knows how to live righteously. He, he knows how to bring equity to the nation that he's ruling over. That's how the Proverbs are supposed to work. They're supposed to teach you how to live well. They're supposed to help you live holier. And so let's think about this. The, the law teaches us how to live holy. The law says things like don't commit adultery, don't lie, don't steal. What Solomon then does in the Proverbs is say like, hey, I, yeah, that's right, don't commit adultery. So here's how you don't do that. Here's how you avoid that. Here's how you don't steal and use your money responsibly. Here's how you don't bear false witness and live in truth. He, he, Solomon, being a king who had to teach the law to his father, Deuteronomy, or to his son, Deuteronomy 6, and had to write the law himself, Deuteronomy 17, he takes these Proverbs and says, let me explain to you how we live the law of God. That's what these Proverbs are supposed to do. They're not just fun sayings to make your life better. They're pathways to obedience. They're not just fortune cookies. It's Solomon explaining how we live well and how to live obediently. So he tells us stuff like Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Okay, if someone's really waiting and they don't get what they want, that's hard, but if they get it in time, it's good. We don't know what we're supposed to always do with that. But we know like, okay, that principle is going to help me live righteously at some point. We need to think about the way I'm treating others who've been waiting a really long time for something. We need to keep moving. Skillful living. This is going to help you live right. And if we want to obey God in this world, especially in increasingly hostile world, you don't trust your gut. Don't trust your favorite podcaster, no matter how nice or smiley they are. If it contradicts God's Word, don't listen. You need God's wisdom. Here's the third thing this offers. Ready? Offer number three. Discernment discernment back in Proverbs chapter 1 this is verse 4 it says to give prudence to the simple knowledge and discretion to the youth there's two kinds of people here in this verse the simple and the youth let's let's think about these people take it in reverse order the youth is a young person and as you know young people tend to come with a lack of age uh, that's just part, of, it's just part of what it means to be young. And because of that, they lack experience. And because of that, they do silly things. But some people uh, live in a state of permanent adolescence. That their age is much older than the way they act. They, they might be many, many years out of school. They might be more years out of school than they were in school but they're not any more mature than they were back when they were in middle school. The youth is who this is meant to warn. And the other person that's meant to warn here is, is the simple, it says. That word there for simple is, is a word that is, means open. It has the idea of open-minded. Now, we love open-mindedness in our culture. We love like, well, I want to just keep an open mind about that. But what this is actually saying is this is the person that's open to every idea. Their, their mind says like, hey, come one, come all. Every idea, you can find a place in here. Their motto is, 
Sounds good to me. That's what this is. A, a better translation might be the gullible. This is the person that they are very, their very strong convictions are rooted in the last thing they heard. And they're ready to change again once they hear something new. They're like, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, that's probably true also. This person has no guardrails for their thoughts. Every idea sounds good to them. See, that's not the way we're supposed to live. Wisdom means you're actually going to have uh, discretion, discernment. Let's look at that word prudence. You see that word prudence there? To give prudence. What is prudence? Uh, that's not just a name or a Beatles song. What is prudence? It's actually a word that means like cunning or, uh, or crafty. It's a very, very similar Hebrew word to Genesis 3 when it says, now the serpent was the most crafty beast of the field. It, it can sometimes mean like a trickster. A better word, because here it's being used in a positive sense, would be the word shrewd. It's someone who just gets what's going on. You, you know, remember Jesus himself says we want to be shrewd as serpents, but gentle as doves. See, some of us, I think what, what both the youth and the simple person is, a, a good word to describe both of them, would just be the naive. People just don't get it. Like, oh, look how nice that person was to it. No, you don't understand. That guy was trying to rob you that was being kind to you. Like, oh, that nice guy that was trying... No, he, he, was, he was trying to be unkind to you there. He was being sarcastic with you. There's some people that just don't get what life's going on because they haven't experienced yet. And so what, what this does is gives you discernment to understand that like, yeah, not everything is what it seems to be. Not every proposition we should take at face value. I don't want to live gullible. We, we don't want to be dangerously unaware of how life works. Uh, the idea of being clever is like, I'm in the know. I actually know what's going on here. So the, the picture I see of this is like similar to like when you took your driving test. Your driving instructor, if they were a good driving instructor, not only told you how to drive, but in your area, they said, okay, listen, when you go to the DMV, they're going to take you down this street. They're going to have you go this path. There's a speed trap right here. They're going to see if you go 40 here on the open road, but even though it's still a 25 mile per hour zone, right? That's what a good driving instructor is going to do. That's what wisdom does. It says, no, no, you don't get it. This life, there are people who are out to get you. And you need to be aware of it so you understand what's really going on. Does that make sense? That's what, going, that's what it's offering here. And so the Proverbs acts like a classroom, a workshop that gives you experience. So check this out. Here's, I'll give you two of them. Ready? Proverbs eleven twenty two, As a ring of gold in a swine's snout, so is a beautiful woman who lacks discretion. You can apply that to men as well, right? Man, he might look handsome. She might look beautiful. But if they, if they lack real godliness, real righteousness, that external beauty is like a ring in a pig's snout. Don't be naive. Don't be fool. He might be nice and he even texted you back. But if he's a jerk, do not say yes to a date. Here's another one. Proverbs 18.17 The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. Ah, right? Oh man, we really got to stand up. This person was wronged. Oh, wait a second. You didn't dig around to find out that they've totally misunderstood the situation and now you've jumped into their foolishness with them, right? Discretion. Not everything is as it seems to be. That's what the Proverbs help us try to understand. Okay, let's keep moving. What have we learned? What does what the book of Proverbs offer you? It offers you skillful living. It offers you practical righteousness. It offers you discernment. And finally, here's what you write for number four. Number four, right? Offer number four, and more. Just write, and more, exclamation point, right? Because every good store is going to have, you could buy this, you could buy this, you could buy this, and more. 
But that's actually what this is saying. Take a look at verse 5. It says, let the wise hear it and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance. You ready for this? Proverbs, the book of Proverbs assumes that you never outgrow your need for wisdom. You're never in a spot where you think you've learned it all. See, the foolish person is the one who actually considers themselves wise. Real wise people go, man, I don't have it all figured out yet. I still have more I can learn. Take a look at Proverbs 3, 7. It's just, it's just two chapters to your right. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7 says, Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear Yahweh and turn away from evil. Don't think of yourself as a wise person. Oh man, how many bad decisions have been made by people who were so confident that their bad decision was right to the ignorant, to, to, they went and ignored all the advice that was around them. Or they just never even asked. They were just like, I got to figure it out. I've read a book on this before. No, don't be wise in your own eyes. There is still more you can learn. In fact, the proverb says you'll learn more. Look at verse 6. It says, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. Part of what Proverbs is supposed to do is to help you better understand Proverbs. Here's what I mean by that. Let me show you an example. Let's go to Proverbs 14. Go to chapter 14. The thing about the Proverbs is that they are, some of them are, chewable. And what I mean by that is some of them you could just kind of chew on and think about. And in time, they start making more sense. Let me give you an example of one. Proverbs 14.4 Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean. But abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. And you start thinking to yourself, I don't have oxen. I'm not an urban chicken farmer. I don't know what to do with this. And so I'm, I'm out. I'm done with this. I, I don't want to touch it anymore. But then you start thinking about this proverb and you're like, Oh, you know, it's, it's clean if I don't have any ox, but if I, if I have an ox, it'll be messy. And it's, there's, you know what? Kind of at work. Like, sometimes I avoid more difficult tasks because it keeps my life easy. But sometimes they're taking on more, there's, there's more profit. You know, I've said no to ministry opportunities before because I'm just trying to keep my life under control a little bit. And I just want to have some, some margin. And by the way, there is time for margin. But also when, the, when there's an ox, there's much profit, right? take on some difficulty. Some of us have done stuff like, I don't, you know, pursuing our relationship and doing this. It's like, it's just, I got a lot going on right now. It's like, okay, cool. You got a clean stall. That's great. But with an ox, there's much profit. Some messes are worth making, right? Come on now. Guys, don't use that as a pickup line tonight. That's not allowed. But, <laughs> but what I'm saying is what you see from this one little proverb that seems obscure, it's just kind of how life works, Right? It's like, yeah, I could go tidy or like profitable. It's how life works. That's how the, the Proverbs are meant to help you better understand the Proverbs. And that's what, we get. that's what we get offered here. Skill, righteousness, discernment, and more wisdom. So it's fine. Let's end this thing. Let's go to verse 7 here. Verse 7. And point number 3 on the back of your handout. We'll call this Wisdom 101. Wisdom 101. And tonight we've got a few minutes. We're going to talk about just one thing. Wisdom 101. How does wisdom actually work? Let's go back to our building illustration. Let's say we're at the storefront. We see on the marquee out front 
Uh, we see it says Proverbs. And we see in the windows, we see what's being offered. I see skillful living. I see practical righteousness. I see discernment and, I, and more. There's just always going to be stuff I could pick up at the store. And I get to the doorway and as I get there, there's like a warning. Like every, a lot of stores have these warnings. They're going to say, uh, no cash, card only. Right? Or, or some stores like Costco will say member only. There, hey, you, not everyone can shop here. There's some rules you've got to follow. And, he, and there is some rules you've got to follow if you're going to learn wisdom. If you're like, man, I really want to learn wisdom, Proverbs gives us this warning, verse 7. The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. If you want to learn wisdom, it starts with this one principle. Fear God. You cannot live a wise life without the fear of God. The fear of God is both the doorway to wisdom and it is the guardrails to keep you on the path of wisdom. You can only gain and cultivate and develop wisdom if you continue to develop a fear of God. And see, what we see here is what differentiates the book of Proverbs from other sorts of wisdom. Because the book of Proverbs isn't like chicken soup for the soul. It's not like, oh, you know, this is helpful. And if you organize your life and if you plan a rest day every once in a while. Because the book of Proverbs is not meant to, be, to terminate on you. The book of Proverbs says, you know what? All of life belongs to God. He is over all of it. He is the God over my workplace, relationship place, personal time, screen time. All of it belongs to Him. And the only way I'll live wisely is if I see Him as judge over it, owner over it, and authority over it. See, the only way you'll make wise you will not make wise decisions if you're the fool. Uh, Hebrew, the second part of verse 7, fools despise wisdom and instruction. You could reinterpret that as wisdom and instruction, fools despise. That's the order there. It ends with, hey, there's a foolish person that doesn't want wisdom. There's a foolish person that says, I don't need to follow God. I don't care about God. I just want to get the most that I can. And you will not do well in Proverbs. In fact, the Proverbs promise ruin if that's the case. The Proverbs promise a difficult life if that's the case. But if you want to live well, if you want to live skillfully in this life and in light of eternity, it begins with the fear of God. Of realizing over all this, man, God is supreme. God is weighty. God is real over this. Proverbs 15.3 says, The eyes of Yahweh are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. That's Proverbs 15.3. His eyes are in every place. And the idea of fear is the idea of being in awe of God. Of being overwhelmed by God. Of being gripped by who God is. That He is in your mind in the same places where He is in the heavens. On the throne. And that you're thinking about Him rightly and gloriously and supremely. So if you look, uh, when people see God rightly in the Bible, like Isaiah 6, Isaiah falls on his face and says, I'm a dead man. And you see scenes like Exodus chapter 20 where they hear the voice of God and they're freaked out going like, man, this God is far holier than us. And you see in uh, Luke chapter 5 where Jesus captures this huge catch of fish and Peter falls on his face and says, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinner. That is the only way we're going to live wisely. Is when we go through life like, Lord, 
I'm thinking about my budget right now. God, I'm thinking about my mouth. I'm thinking about this difficult friend relationship I have with my family, this difficult relationship I have at work. But God, you're, you're God over this. You're watching this. You can be honored in this. You can be dishonored in this. All of this belongs to you. It's only when we're thinking that way, we're going to live wisely. I mean, how many foolish decisions have you made? Just think about the, the foolish decisions in your life that, you, life that you could take back. That you did not either know rightly about who God is, or you chose to ignore at that moment all of who God is. See, we cannot live well if we're not thinking rightly about who the Lord is. And so our application as we go through this is going to be we need to think of God as He is. One commentator said it like this, the fear of the Lord is the supreme regard for God, supreme regard that causes one to trust Him implicitly and obey Him unreservedly. I regard Him as supreme, I trust Him implicitly, and I obey Him in all things. Fools won't do that. They despise wisdom, so they don't follow the Lord. But those who fear God rightly, check this out. God promises wisdom. I'm going to read you one final verse. Psalm 25. Psalm 25, 14 says this. Listen to this. It says the secret, and it's like secret counsel. The secret counsel of Yahweh is for those who fear Him. Psalm 25, 14. The secret counsel, some translations actually say the friendship of Yahweh. It's for those who fear Him. You want God's counsel in your life? Ready? Fear Him. Trust Him. Remember His holiness and His authority and His goodness towards you in Jesus. Let that reality saturate your thinking. And say, God, I want to obey You. Help me to live wisely. And you know what? He'll give that wisdom generously. And we'll see that wisdom in Proverbs. Let me pray. Father, thank You for tonight. Thank You for this opportunity we've had to study and to look at Your Word. Lord, we do need wisdom. We make bad decisions, Lord. We say so much that we shouldn't say. And we think we're so smart when we're not as smart as we think we are. And we'll be so unkind and so selfish and at times so lazy. God, we're, we're sorry for those sins and yet we're so thankful that Your Word gives us direction on how to honor You. Lord, thank You that You've given us such clarity how we can live in Your ways. How we could follow Your laws for us. God, how we could be pleasing to You. As we even talked about last week, Lord, You want to help us be pleasing to You. And so we pray, Lord, You do that through this book. You give us clear direction on how to follow after You. Lord, I pray none of us in here would be fools. I pray we wouldn't despise wisdom. I pray we wouldn't ignore You or think little of You or just try to get a few life hacks but ignore the centrality of You in our life. God, we want you to be magnified in all that we do. Uh, Lord, we, we love you and we praise you. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.